0: We're glad to have you here on this resurrected morn, and we call Easter. If you've got an extra seat by you, wave your hand. Some of you that are crowded so tightly in the back, if you want to move into these seats, there's some here, there's some up here. Some of our good church people, if you don't mind coming up and sitting on the front, it may make a little bit extra room in the back. But we are glad to have you here today. It's a good problem to have. You know, uh, next Sunday we're starting a new series On on being free. You know, the God of second championships. But next week, we're going through the book of Galatians. And in the book of Galatians, the thought is nobody but Jesus. Nobody can save you but Jesus. Not your works. Not how many times you go to church. Not how much you give. It's only about Jesus. Nobody but Jesus. And next week, if you're here with us, you'll receive a free t-shirt. And it says... It's what we stand for here, we're real people, we're real church, real God, and we, have, we didn't put it on, but real mistakes, and real problems, and real sins, we didn't have enough room to put all that other stuff. But you can get it in gray, or you can get it in this Taurus, whatever they call that color. Uh, don't make me say stuff I can't say. If it had been up to me, all the shirts would have been black and gray. We certainly welcome you today. And we're glad you're here. We really are. I want to get started here today. Today's sermon is God of Second Chances. How many ever needed to start over before? A second chance. A do-over. That's me. That's me many times. I want us to practice something uh, just to get everybody loosened up. See how you do. I want everybody to participate in this service. So... How many's ever lived on a farm or near a farm? You had chickens and you had roosters. All right, I want, when I count to three, I want everybody to make your best rooster sound. Okay, ready, set, one, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> Some of y'all got some mighty funny sounding roosters at your house. (laughs) Today, I want to talk to you about famous failures. (laughs) If you're going to be famous about something, be famous as a failure, you know. Some of you have already been there before. You know what I'm talking about. But today, I want to talk about Simon Peter. You know, Peter in the Bible. You you may not have been around church a lot, but you know Peter, right? Uh, Peter, Peter... Is the one that uh, he was in the boat and it was stormy and he saw Jesus or somebody that looked like Jesus coming towards him and he said, "Hey, if that's if that's Jesus, if that's really you, and you know, bid me to come out on the water." And so Peter just stepped out of the boat and started walking towards Jesus, and he got a little ways and then he sank. Uh, and he failed, <laughs> and he got wet. And you know, it wasn't that Jesus didn't have enough power, but but Peter began to look at himself and he didn't have much confidence in himself. We know Peter because Peter's the guy, after Jesus said, you know, I must go to the cross and Peter's the one that pulled out his sword, I'm not going to ask you how many he's carrying today, but I'm pretty sure, but Peter pulled out his sword and he cut a man's ear off, Malchus' ear. And you know, Jesus said, why would you go do that, Peter? And so he reaches down, he picks up the ear and puts it back on. Peter would be Gilligan to Gilligan's Island. (laughs) Peter would be Gomer to Gomer Powell. He would be Barney to Andy and Mayberry. We all know Barney. We all know Peter because we relate to Peter. Peter Peter had a mother-in-law. I make mean, can relate to that. Let's just leave that right there, okay? You got your family with you today, right? Peter was one of the, a part of one of the coolest tricks ever in the Bible. We could all use this trick, especially around this time of year. Caesar needed some taxes. And Peter goes, silver and gold, have I none kind of thing, you know? And Jesus said, go fishing, Peter. And Peter went fishing, and when he pulled out this fish, the fish had coins in his mouth. How many would like to know where that fishing spot is? I would definitely. I'd go every day, right? But Peter, we know Peter. He's that guy. We know Peter because every one of us has got a friend like Peter. No matter where you're at, what you're doing, he's the first one to go, I'll do it. I'll do it. Like, let's let let's just let us Peter do it. and If he don't die, then we'll do it. We've all got a friend like Peter. And um You know, we kind of, we we hate Judas because he betrayed the Lord and he done all this bad stuff and he sold the Lord out for money, 30 pieces of silver. And we love John because John was Jesus' best friend. He, you know, nobody loved Jesus like John did. But we all know Peter because whether we want to admit it or not, we're most like Peter than probably any of the other disciples. He's more relatable. You know, Some of you know I've had quite a a horrible building uh, project at my house. And I'll just put it that way. And you know, uh, I just want to give you a hint. If the building people that's building your house has changed their building uh, company's name three times in the last six months, (laughs) you might have a problem. When Jesus chose his disciples, they were made up of the most shady, you might say, broken down, misfits there ever was. So you find quite a bit of this happening in the New Testament where when Jesus calls someone, he goes, Okay, I'm going to call you Simon. First thing I'm going to need to do is change your name. Nobody's ever going to follow us because they know you. So from now on, your name's going to be Simon which means petro, means rock. And Peter, whether you believe it or not, upon you and people like you, I'm going to build my church. And Peter goes, who, me? And the other disciples go, are you sure, him? You know, when I get to heaven, a lot of things I want to ask Jesus, but one of the things I want to ask Jesus is I want to ask Jesus, Jesus, why? I know you you choose people. But I want to know why you choose to choose the people that you choose to choose. Because Jesus, personally, if I was you, I wouldn't choose some of the people that you chose. And he's probably thinking, yeah, that's what I thought about when I called you. That's what I thought about when I called you. So some of you here today, and you may be using a different name. That's okay. No matter what name you use, you're welcome here at Grace. But we, we, we understand Peter. And I am so glad that I checked it out. Jesus did not call Peter or change Peter's name from Simon to Peter after he sunk like a rock walking on the sea. That would have a whole different effect, right? All the disciples go, yeah, his name is now. He used to be called Simon, but now we call him Peter because he sunk like a rock when he tried to walk on the water with Jesus. Knucklehead. We was wondering, you know, Jesus saw something in Peter. Well, I want to change that. No, Jesus really didn't see nothing in Peter. There was nothing in Peter that Jesus really could use much. But what Jesus did do, he saw what he was going to do in Peter. Peter didn't come with a lot of skills, neither do we need to. And so, you get to thinking about this. If that's what Jesus started the church with, a bunch of misfits that needed to change their name, least anybody ever dare follow them, like Matthew the tax collector, or, you know, you just go through all of them. They're, they're a bunch, you know, Thomas the doubter, you know, how would you like every one of you to have a side name or a nickname that was horrible? But if Jesus started the church with those kind of people, what does it tell us today? What does it tell us? If we can relate to Peter more than almost any disciple. What does it tell us today? Maybe it says we don't need to be perfect to come to church. Maybe, 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 maybe it says we don't need to have it all together. One time I had it all together but I forgot where I put it. (laughs) Maybe, just maybe it says we don't. We, we don't understand that we are loved in spite of our failures and our mistakes. We're loved unconditional by the Father, by Jesus. What if, what if it means that the church was never meant to be the place that had all the answers? The longer I'm in ministry, the more I realize how much I don't know. And so many things you could ask me and I could tell you, I don't know. We'll figure it out one day. I want us, since we're talking about Peter, I want us to take another look at Peter. These people, skit guys, do a wonderful job in showing you a little bit of maybe how he thought. Let's watch this little video here.
1: They say a rooster crowing is God's wake-up call. Yeah, that's... uh... At least that's the way it was for me. Everything, that that whole night was a blur, alright? Um, I didn't comprehend, none of us could comprehend everything that was going on, alright? We were all in the upper room, Jesus was washing our feet. Um, then we were in the garden, Jesus goes off to pray by himself. I fell asleep. I'm not proud of it. I had a big meal. Bread makes me sleepy. Next thing we know, me, James, and John, Jesus is in our face and he's trying to wake us up. And uh, he said, um, what is he said? Uh, the, the, uh, the flesh is weak, the spirit is willing. And, and then before we know it, Judas is kissing Jesus on the cheek. I try to go help him. I cut off this guard's ear. For the record, I wasn't aiming for his ear. I'm a fisherman, not a swordsman. And Then they, uh, they arrest Jesus and they take him off. And we, We ran, and it wasn't but two hours earlier that we were in the upper room. I was looking at him. I was looking him right in the eye saying, if everyone disowns you, Jesus, I won't. I'm with you. I love you. And I think that's what made me stop, turn around, go back, and uh, I caught a glimpse of Jesus as they were taking him to the high priest's house stood at the gate, and some girl comes up to me, starts pointing at me, starts going, you, you're with him, you're with this man that claims to be the son of God, you're one of his disciples. I felt like every eye was on me. So I just brushed her off. I said, you don't know what you're talking about, you got the wrong guy. I get my way into the courtyard, and uh, it's cold. I, t- I try to warm up by the fire. And then there's this guy that recognizes me. And he is uh, from the ear incident, you know, and starts going, get him, get him. He's with him. Just arrest him. Get him. And I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about, all right? I wasn't with him. It was easier the second time to deny him. It was some time right before morning and um, this wise guy, he comes up to me and goes, who are you kidding, all right? Who are you fooling? You're with him. I can tell by your accent. I'm like, this is just the way I talk, all right? And, and the whole night, they kept pushing him around. They kept beating him. They kept spitting on him, throwing insults at him. And I couldn't take it anymore. I had enough. I was tired of people accusing me, looking at me. And I, and I, just, I said a few things that I'm not proud of, but I was like, leave him alone. You don't know what you're doing, all right? Just leave him alone. I wasn't with him. And that's when I heard the most blood-curdling sound I ever heard in my whole life. I heard that rooster crow. And at that moment, Jesus, he turns around, he looks at me, he looks at me. And his gaze, you can't escape his gaze. I mean, when his eyes are on you, you cannot escape it. And they arrested him and they took him off. I will die with you, Jesus, if everybody disowns you, I will die with you. What a, a joke. I mean, what would you do? At that moment, at that time, I ran. I ran so fast, I ran so long. And you know what they did? They killed him. He's dead.
0: All my helpers out there that Let me hear you one more time with the rooster's crow. What does that sound like to you when you're on a farm? You know, it doesn't have a snooze button on a rooster. You can't set the rooster to wake you up at the right time. But the rooster crowing, it's it's the sign. It's, It's almost morning. The day's breaking. It's the beginning of a new day. And in that region where Jesus was and where Peter was, it was a sound that I guarantee you, you would hear every single day. Have you ever thought about the fact that Peter now has to wake up every morning to a rooster crowing? And what that entails, what that means for him. I'll never forget, I was coming here to prepare for a wedding, a wedding rehearsal, and it was on a, like a Friday night, and I was stopped up here at this red light, and, and somebody was going really fast, and, and I was sitting at the red light, I could not do anything, and, and all at once I hear these brakes just squealing, and, and they come, and they just screeching, and all at once it hits the back of my car, and then pushes me in the car in front of me, and messes up the front of my car, the back of my car, and I get out, and... And I'm kind of feeling a little weird, and I come in and I try to do the rehearsal, and finally I have to go to the emergency room, and I have to have, uh, you know, chiropractor and muscle therapy and all this kind of stuff to try to get myself back where I can walk. I can tell you one thing every time after that, that I sit at a red light and I heard any kind of tire squealing or screeching, I just tighten up inside. I kind of shake a little bit. The good thing is, I used to drive a Harley, but I don't drive it anymore. I had too many times that I felt nervous. But what about if you were Peter? And every single day that that used to signal the beginning of a new day, a new start, just reminded you of the fact that you're a loser. That even though everybody, you're the one that stood up and said, though everybody else denies you, I will never die you. I'll never deny you. I'll die for you. We either uh, either think Jesus is mighty bad at picking people, or he knew exactly what he was doing. That he knew exactly who Peter was when he picked him. You know, and, and Jesus was not surprised that Peter was... Was going to die. Jesus even told Peter, said, Peter, the devil, Satan, your enemy, he desires to sift you like wheat. It's all right, Peter, I've already prayed for you. I've already prayed for you. So I'm thinking since Jesus has already prayed for Jesus, or Jesus has already prayed for Peter, then I would think that everything goes perfect for Peter. But it doesn't. Even though Jesus prayed for him, he still denied the Lord three times. Maybe we go through things in life. Maybe we experience failures. Maybe sometimes we don't walk on water too good. Maybe sometimes we are ultimate failures. And God sees it and he knows it. But there's something in that experience that he wants us to get. The woman, one of the women that was at the cross when Jesus died was a woman that Jesus forgave her sins. she was fixing to be stoned. And Jesus stopped the stoning by saying, ye without sin cast the first stone. And he was speaking to the religious leaders. And they began to drop their stones from oldest to youngest. And walked away. And he said, where are your accusers? And she said, well, they're not here. And he said... Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. The Bible said to him that much has been forgiven. Those are the people that have much love. They realize where they were at and where they're at today. And she was one of the ones at the cross. She loved him. And you know, it's, it's not just the sounds. If I hear screeching tires or if Peter hears a rooster. But it's the memories that are tied to that sound. I mean, you could just hear the sound, and it takes you to a place that you don't want to be. For Peter, the rest of his life would bring him right back to the feeling of that night. It would bring him back to the failure, and he'd have to relive it every morning as a rooster crew. I want to ask you today, what is your rooster? What is that thing that reminds you of your greatest failures? Your greatest mess-ups. What is it that when you hear it, some of you, you think about different areas of your life, and I guarantee you there may be a song, there may be a smell, there may be something you see that takes you back to a place you don't want to be. What is it that causes you hurt, regrets, and failures? And what do you do about it? Well, you could do like Peter and the disciples, they ran. And some people run from God. I'll tell you, you can't outrun God. Or you can be like Adam and Eve. They hide. They try to play hide and seek with God. I'm just going to tell you, don't do it. He's the best hide and seek person in the world. He'll find you. Or you can try to drink it away, as Chris Stapleton says, in a country song. Or you can try to drug yourself out of your misery. But I think God has a better solution. I think God has a better solution. I want you to watch this next real short clip talking about God's
2: grace. Grace is God's unmerited favor for us, his crazy love. And the truth is many times we struggle understanding it. If you find yourself struggling to understand God's grace, don't beat yourself up. Even the disciples struggled with understanding grace. It's always about me. That's grace, Peter.
0: One of the things that we're going to pick up on in this next series is nobody can take your guilt away but Jesus. Nobody can change your life but Jesus. That powerful thought, the angel says, go tell the disciples and Peter that he's going before you into Galilee. I don't know about you, but... I get to thinking about that and like you know why 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 Peter you know I, I could understand if you could like go tell the disciples and Herod
2: Jesus is back
0: and he's in town or go tell you know go tell uh whoever or or go tell go tell the disciples And John, because John was my best pal. John was my best buddy. John was always there with me. John the Beloved. I love that boy. Go tell him. It wasn't based on merit of how close someone was to Jesus. But Jesus said, go tell the disciples and Peter. You ever wonder why he said that? I think it's because Peter felt like he wasn't a disciple anymore. He felt like he had failed the Lord so miserable that God would never have anything else to, to do with him. I think he felt that way. Go tell the disciples and Peter. and, and when you think about that, I, I think it's true. You know, you think about that, and Peter, those two words changed his life. Go tell the disciples, and Peter, why did you call my name? Jesus knows every one of you here today, and it's not a mistake that you're here. You're here because God wanted you to be here. He wanted you to know that he is a God of a second chance, and a third, and a fourth, and a fifth chance. He's a God of many chances. And you know, one of the greatest gifts in the world is that cross right there. That cross where in a garden, in the the garden, Adam failed and he went his own way. And he sinned, the first Adam. And he plunged all of us into sin. But it was another garden the Garden of Gethsemane, that Jesus was. And now you've got the second man, Adam. You've got Jesus in the garden. And Jesus, he's down praying, and he's saying, Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. And he prays the more earnest. And he prays eventually so hard that his sweat becomes as great drops of blood. And he finally says, not my will, but thine be done. And he, he willfully went to the cross, and he died on that cross in our behalf. See, he went through three religious kangaroo courts. And then he went through three civil courts. And, you know, the civil courts, they, the Jewish people, they brought him to uh, Caiaphas. They brought him to Annas. Annas used to be the one he was in charge when the temple was overturned. They go, this person's got a real bias, probably hates his guts. So he'll surely say that we should crucify him. And then they went to Caiaphas and, you know, they kept, they went to the high priest and they went and they, they, they were trying, if it would have been up to the Jews, they would have stoned him. They wanted permission from Rome to stone him. They said, no, you're not going to stone him. And so they, they, they took and they questioned him and all three times in the civil court of the land, they came back with, we find no fault with him. We don't find any fault with him. But I'm going to tell you what happened. They go, well, you know, there's one thing I've always honored with y'all. Out of mercy, I will always let one person go a year as a, a part of the redemption. And so you've got a choice. I don't find no fault with him. And then there's this horrible criminal called Barabbas. I can let him go. Which one you want? And they begin to scream and yell, we want Barabbas, and Barabbas was released into them. One of the things you may not know, but always the the worst criminal, the worst of all, always took the center cross. And so Barabbas would have been on that center cross, but since Jesus was there as a substitute for the meanest scoundrel robber in town. They put Jesus in His place on that cross. And as everybody walked by, the cross really wasn't up on a mountainside. It was right near the street. If you ever go to Jerusalem, they'll show you where it was. It's right where all the traffic was. The Jews wanted it to be where you could just walk up to it. You could yell at Him. You could spit on Him. You could hit Him. It was close to the ground, actually, where they could stay there for days. It was one of the most torturous ways to die there was and you know the greatest gift that we could ever receive is the gift of a second chance and that's what Easter is all about Easter is the gift of a second chance because Jesus died on the cross we can have a different outcome in life because of the grace of God You know, when I was a kid, we'd done these things called do-overs. Me and David and some of the kids in the neighborhood in a sand lot, we'd play ball. And if we'd hit the ball and run the first, we'd go, I made it, I'm safe. And the other said, no, we got you, you're out. And so we'd have a little neighborhood brawl if we didn't, careful. And finally, we'd say, well, okay, we we can't solve this. You say, I'm out, and the other one says, I'm not out. And so we would do a do-over, which you'd go back to the plate, and you'd hit it again. And that's the best way we could solve it. Kids called it a do-over. Now, as grown-ups, we still need do-overs. Not just golfers need a do-over or a mulligan, but we all need do-overs because we all make mistakes. And our do-over as adults is forgiveness. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is our do-over. And the grace of God and you're going to learn next week that the only way you're saved is by Jesus. Nobody else. And you know, in our life, we find ourselves, you find two people, they, they're great friends, the best friends in the entire world. And they go into business together. Then something goes soured in the business. And, then they, and they become enemies of one another. And they go their separate ways. As life. And you realize, not only did... Your business goes sour, but you've lost one of your best friends you ever had. What about marriage? I've done a lot of marriages, and people stand up here and they smile at each other and they're so happy and they say, Until death do us part, and then life happens. I'm gonna tell you, life happens. Life happens. It happens when you have kids, it happens when you go through different. Uh, things and your jobs and different things draw you apart life happens but not only does life happen God's grace happens and you could be disappointed that it's over I'm done I can't be with this person anymore and then one morning you wake up and go it's time to try it again it's trying to do one more time. It's tried. you know, it, it was bad, but I don't know it's so bad. I don't know that it was so important enough to break up our marriage. I'm going to seek to reconcile and return to my marriage. I'm going to try it one more time. I, by the grace of God. Many times our forgiveness and God's forgiveness is not at the same level. Forgetting and, forget, forgetting and forgiving But we need a do-over many times. I, I think about Jesus. And when Jesus was that new Peter from the day he called him. One day we got us talking to Peter about forgiveness. He said, Peter, how many times do you think you ought to forgive somebody? He goes, seven. And he thought he was b- being you know, uppity on that one, you know, seven times. And I think Jesus in the back of his mind said, Jesus, Peter, you already sinned more than seven times already today. You might want to up your number. He said, why don't you try 70 times seven, 490 times per day. Why would God put that in the scripture? He knows that we are not perfect. He knows that we we are, are, are people that mess up. And he said, Peter, the best thing to do is, is 70 times, 70, 490 times. That's how many times we are to forgive. And yet, that would even be our level that Jesus continually forgives. Jesus is a loving God. He's a caring God. And you know, it, it, it's the real thing. It's the meaning of Easter is to forgive and love and, and get back. The cross represents a new start. The new Adam settled the issue with our sin. He said, whoever believes in me shall not perish but have eternal life. And you know, not only does Jesus forgive us, but he repurposes our messed up lives. You know, Jesus takes the time to go to the sea. And he goes there and he starts making a fire and he makes a charcoal fire. There's only two places in the Bible that mention What kind of fire it is. And that's at the fire where Jesus denied the Lord three times. It said it was a charcoal fire. So Jesus goes to the seaside and he gets down there. And he builds a charcoal fire. And you know, he's already got fish on that fire. You don't know how important sitting down at a table meant to people in biblical times. Matter of fact, if you shared a table with someone, if you shared a meal with someone, that means that your acceptance of them, that, that they're, they're, they're important, they're, you, you know, and that's some of the things that they would get on to Jesus about is the people he went and had meals with. But here we find Jesus going back, and Peter has already given up on the, 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 the salvation thing, and the ministry thing, and the following Jesus thing, and he's out there fishing. And he's been out there all night and hadn't caught anything. And Jesus said, hey, cast on the other side. Well, I've been on one of those boats that they went out on the Sea of Galilee. It's only about, I think, 14, 15 feet wide from this side to that side. What difference is about 15 feet going to make when there's fish under the boat? Peter goes, I think I know fishing, but shoot, I've been out all night and ain't caught nothing. I said, might as well try it. And he threw the net And he caught more fish than he could actually bring into the boat. And at that moment, at that time, he knew it had to be Jesus. And he jumped back and ran. A lot of times we think when we do things wrong that God penalizes us. What if he blesses us? What if he blesses us so much? He said, it's the goodness of God that brings people to repentance. What if God's just so good to us, one day you just sit back and breathe and go, God is so good to me. And I so don't deserve it. And so Jesus goes to Peter and Peter's there and he said, Peter, do you love me? How many times did Jesus, did Peter deny the Lord three times? Out of charcoal fire. He said, Peter, do you love me? Lord, Lord, you know I love you. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. He didn't just even the score. But he helped Peter get over the hurt. He wanted Peter the next time he heard a rooster crow. It didn't hurt so bad. There had been some resurrection to his bad feelings. God had helped him to bury it and start having new feelings. And and so we find that Peter, he says three times. A lot of times we feel like we don't deserve to sit at the table with Jesus like Mephevesheft you know Jonathan and David become blood brothers and one time that David said when he got into the kingdom he said hey see if there's any of descendants of Jonathan because we made a blood covenant if we find any of the descendants we're going to extend mercy and grace to them and so they found they found Shef, and they went and got him and they brought him inside the David's great kingdom and they prepared a table and they let him eat with him and David said from this day forward I'm gonna give you land I'm gonna take care of you now tell me what Mephibosheth did to deserve that not one single thing the only thing that made the difference was David and Jonathan made a blood covenant well, it's symbolic of Jesus going to the cross and shedding his blood for us. When we take communion, we say this is his body that was broken for us. When we drink the, the, the red bloodish looking juice, we say this is the blood that was shed for me. And you know what it means? It means that we now have a place at Jesus' table. We have a place at Jesus' table. Aren't you thankful for the amazing grace of God? Not only does God want to restore you to your salvation, if you've wondered, like David wondered, he said, Lord, restore me to my salvation. He was always there for David. David just felt far from God. I think about one of the, 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 you're talking about big failures, Saul in the Bible, there's nobody hated the movement of God more than Saul. Nobody. Saul was having Christians killed left and right. You would think if you were killing Christians, you would be on God's naughty list. No. Did God kill Saul? No. He had to change his name, though, to Paul. But he didn't kill Saul. Since Saul was blinded to the understanding of the gospel, God blinded Saul. And explained to Saul. And redeemed Saul. And called Saul to see the resurrected Jesus. And that cross. And that resurrected Jesus of the cross changed Saul. And his name was changed to Paul. He'd become one of the greatest men of the New Testament. Wrote about two-thirds of it. You tell me there's not power in the cross. You tell me that God... That God can't change lives. I'll tell you, you're wrong. I'm going to tell you, God loves you today. I don't care where you've been, what you've done, what you've been through, how horrible it's been. You may have once knew the Lord. You might have once knew Him. And you might have went to church as a kid. And and now, today, you feel a million miles away. God knew you was going to be here today. And just like God... Jesus went and made a charcoal fire and made some food. He loved Peter. He loved him when he was a failure as much as he loved him when he was doing right. Jesus loves you today, folks. I believe Jesus can take your bad memories and turn them into something different. Some of you look back and sometimes it you just can't hardly live to face another day. We need to call on the cross. The cross makes the difference. You know the old timers knew that. They used to sing the song. They used to sing the song. The old rugged cross. How they cherish the old rugged cross. I think it's been a long time since we cherished the cross and what it really means. That cross means that God forgives your sin yesterday, today, and forever. Whosoever believes on the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. In just a moment, we're going to give you an opportunity to go by, and we got flowers everywhere up here. Thank you for bringing them. We had some. I want you to pick out a flower, your favorite flower. I don't care, go, whatever your favorite color there. We're going to just put it in the cross. They did this after first service. We started with a bare cross. Except for the staff, put a few on to start with. I want you to close your eyes for just a moment. If you're here today, and to be honest, you feel a million miles From Jesus. And you need a second chance. I want you to raise your hand real quick. Just raise it up and put it back down. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. All of you. You may be here today and you've never. Ever committed your life to Jesus Christ. This is a great day for you. It's a great day for you. This this morning some brought some friends and. Uh, Sheila brought one of her friends, and her friends accepted Jesus Christ up here. It was a great day for her and a great day for Sheila. Jesus loved you before you got here. Jesus loved you before you ever come to church. But he wanted you to get here. He wanted you to surrender your life. Not only did the Lord want to save you, he wants to repurpose your life and do something great with it. That's what he's been thinking of. You go, wow, God could never use me. You want to bet? God's going to use your failures and your mess up. Nobody understands drug addiction but a drug addict. Nobody understands divorce but someone that's been through it. Nobody understands uh, uh, the going down the wrong road of sin but those that's been down to it. And you will be the one that have a heart for those that you work with and you're around. Jesus is the restorer of our lives. I love... This and this may have been Peter become Peter's favorite verse, being that every day there was roosters crowing. Lamentations 3, 21 and 23 has become my favorite verse, too. It says, But this I call to mine, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. i like for my prayer team members, my staff, all those that can come to come up and just spread out all across here. If you ask Jesus Christ in your heart today, I want us all to stand for just a moment. For those that may be new here, Can we just say together as a whole congregation. Dear Heavenly Father. I believe you died on that cross for me. And I thank you. And I surrender my life to you. If you can use me. I'm willing. In Jesus name. Amen. We're going to give an opportunity for people to pray and at a certain time after we prayed for some people we're going to give all of you in the building a chance to come by and put a flower in this cross we're going to fill it up i want you to go back around to your seat and be seated we can start over here to this side and keep going keep going because we're going to have the children come And we want you to see your children walk up here and put it in because they're bringing the children down and they're all going to put a flower. They've been told about this and they're ready to do it. And it's the most precious thing in the world to see children do this. We're going to beautify. We're going to take that horrible instrument of torture and turn it into something beautiful. This picture back here, years ago we did this. We all wrote down things that bring back horrible memories, things that hurts, things that are painful in our life, and we put it on little pieces of paper. We took it at a certain time of service. We tore it up and threw it up in the air. God, by your grace and your help, I'm free of that. Afterwards, we videoed us picking up all those pieces of paper. We had an artist, Marino, and she took those little pieces of paper and she made that portrait right there. If you want to go up and see it after service, you can see the writing If it was anything very personal, they turned the the note over. But don't tell me that God can't make beautiful things out of our hurts and hang-ups of life.